Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, we have the second edition of our seven-part series, or rather collaboration, with 500 Startups. Now, today I'll be chatting with Philip, who's the CEO and founder of Magnet. Magnet is building what is effectively the crunch base of emerging markets. Now, we're going to talk about how he is building a data-driven business, and more importantly, also discuss its side content aspect. Now, you see, anyone who's in the startup environment in the Middle East will likely be a subscriber of Magnet's newsletter. I personally am a huge fan of newsletters in general. In fact, that's where I tend to get most of my news. Now, some of my favorite newsletters are The Hustle and The Morning Brew, just because they're so easy to read, easy to digest. Now, for those of you who may not know, I'm also the news editor of a regional startup here called Betake. And I edit for them their newsletters that basically covers MENA and international stock market news. Now, we have daily newsletters that go out when the markets are open, so Mondays to Fridays. And the point of these newsletters is that they're easy to digest, meaning that you can get your access to market news in five minutes or less. Once a week, we do also cover a trending investment matter in the form of a deep dive. If you're interested in subscribing to Betica's newsletter, I invite you to head on over to getbetica.com to subscribe. Oh, and by the way, they have a campaign going on right now where if you refer your friends, you have the chance to earn $50 in stock to get you going once your commission-free U.S. stock trading platform is live. Listeners, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode with Philip, and now let's jump straight to it. So, Philip, Magnet's newsletters are one of the newsletter, one of the few newsletters that I have not unsubscribed to, meaning I find purpose and I value the content. And uh, at least once a week when I sit down and I cash up on my emails, uh, I always open up Magnet's emails. Great. Thank you. I'm, I'm curious, from the point of view of the producers of the newsletter, what was the thought process behind examining what makes for a useful newsletter and then putting that together? Because I know I'm not the only one who values the Magnet newsletters. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that and thank you for providing the feedback. I mean, the evolution of the newsletter is one of three, four years. Originally, it was a mechanism by which we could just build awareness with people that were registering to the platform. Then as Magnet kind of developed, we thought that there was so much news happening that while people were doing news, they were leading publications in that space. Nobody was capturing kind of the site section obsession of what Magnet was looking to create, which was mm. visibility to the platform. And then as that developed with time, actually come now, we've moved our newsletter into becoming basically very similar to CB Insights or The Morning Brew, which is a self-sufficient product. Our aim is not to redirect traffic to the platform. It's to have a product that people can rely on that can help Magnet build its brand and affinity of its users towards something that's useful to it. We actually have, which some people may not know, uh, close to four different newsletters. There's a daily one, which is just to keep people up to date, no more than five, six articles of relevant news. There's the weekly wrap-up, which we've really built into quite a chunky newsletter that provides a wrap-up of all activity that's happened the week before, covering venture investments, which Magnet being a data platform is the key of what it is that we're doing. And then some ecosystem news and research insights. Mm -hmm. Our breaking insights 
which is whenever there's a uh, funding announcement that takes place, we share that so that we can try to be the first to break that information. And then report launches as and when we publish our research. But at our core, Magnet is very much a data platform. And even the content that we focus on, there are many other leading startup publications. Our core focus is investments, data, and the research insights that come around that. Hmm. You know, you got Magnet is top of mind when it comes to, I want to say the leading startup publication. So I always reference the content that you guys produce, whether it's the reports or, you know, little articles and blog posts that I save from your newsletters. And I've even, you know, quoted them at the work I do with The Hive. I know I've reached out to you previously saying that even HBS wanted to reference one of your charts in, in an HBR publication and at Spark as well. Now, curious, Philip, personally, when I, you know, subscribe to my morning brews and tech crunch, uh, you know, newsletters. The space is crowded with international startup news, predominantly from Europe, the US, because they're just more interesting. Hardly ever are startups from the Middle East covered. How do you guys, as a player in emerging markets, make sure the, the mainly emerging market-based data that you share is interesting to your audience? Well, I would flip it on its head. We cater to that audience. So it almost makes it interesting. I mean, a morning brew, an international platform will be looking at a US and European market. I want to just take a step back. What is Magnet? Magnet is the leading venture data platform for what we would like to become emerging markets, but currently in middle East, Pakistan, and Turkey. We are on a journey of expanding across all emerging markets. And the reason that we do that is because, exactly to your point, a lot of the other publications will get a newsletter that tells me that there's a company in Austin that received $300 million of funding in agri-tech. Um, mm. You've never heard of the VC. You don't know the startup. It's in a market that's unfamiliar. And any of the numbers are completely incomparable to what we have here in the region. What mm. we did is we, we said, cool, let's focus for the markets that we're operating on. Even as we expand across emerging markets, there are so many similarities and yet nuances to that difference that it makes it quite interesting to benchmark and do comparables. And therefore, our audience are people that are interested in that space. We don't claim to have the US audience except for the US audience interested in emerging markets. Our audience of government officials, corporates, investors, founders, and voyeurs, as we like to call it in the ecosystem, are coming to magic because we are in this space. And therefore, the data and the content that we're sharing with them tends to be to complement their interest in this space. And is your audience based in MENA or do you find readers within these categories outside of MENA looking to gather more insights on the region as well? I think it's both. I mean, predominantly at the beginning, it was MENA, MENA covering MENA. But as we've continued to thankfully grow and be referenced in different type of publications, and even just through efforts of speaking at conferences like Tequadi, which I was speaking at yesterday, and when you speak at US events, people who are interested in this space, start subscribing. So we're getting a much larger growing audience. And from the data subscription side of Magnet, we are seeing more and more international VCs, corporates, and government entities come and subscribe to Magnet and access our data than ever before. Because as MENA, now Pakistan and Turkey, which we've added and soon to add Africa, becomes the reference and the data source, actually it becomes a point of competition for the international platforms. And as the ecosystem in general has continued to grow. The success of the exits, the, the Rami SPAC, the InstaShop acquisition, the Karim acquisition, the interest
gas from people outside of the region looking to get arbitrage and invest in the region, Magnet becomes the source for them to stay up to date and access mm. that information and research. So to answer your question bluntly, predominantly it's from the region, servicing the region. As we've grown and as the ecosystem has grown, we're beginning to see more and more people coming from outside of the region. Mm, very interesting. So you you mentioned expanding and I knew you guys were expanding. That's why I use the word emerging or, you know, I reference emerging markets, not just MENA. But tell me something, why Pakistan and Turkey? Is it purely because they border MENA or is there like another reason why you went there instead of just going south throughout Africa first? So look, I mean, we actually operated all of MENA from Dubai and North Africa being Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia and the likes. When we decided to work out where best to expand to, uh, there's a couple of things. One is a cost and revenue perspective. And the other one is what are the natural affinity and links that you see? So when you see the success stories of Kareem and, and how they built their tech teams out of Pakistan, where you've seen examples of tech companies being invested in by MEVP and Wanda and some companies looking to scale there. I was fortunate enough to be invited to go to Turkey and, and meet the ecosystem there. And, and I found it extremely interesting. One of the key takeaways there for me was they don't consider the MENA region as a market necessarily to expand into, albeit neighboring. And yet when you look at Pakistan, you see a lot of the development teams there coming here, but they're self-sufficient within Pakistan. Mm. So the truth of the matter is that the proximity and the already existing relations of those markets were the first deciding factors. Next will be Africa. So on Magnet, we will have uh, the sub-Saharan African ecosystem. And one of the things that I find fascinating, to date, many of these emerging markets have been self-sufficient. They've only really focused on developing their own ecosystem. Turkey is such a big market. It focuses on developing the Turkish ecosystem. Pakistan is such a big population and market. It focuses on developing the Pakistani ecosystem. What we're trying to do is break down some of these barriers to information and information transparency to allow for greater cross-pollination across these emerging markets. But to answer your question bluntly, again, proximity and natural connections was the first reasons. But beyond that, we'll be expanding by other geographies very quickly. Interesting. Do you guys need to consider the local language of the geographies you're expanding into? Or do you find that running magnets as, a, as an English language platform works? abroad. Again, I just want to reiterate it. We're a data platform. So from a data platform perspective, the English language nuance is less acute because the mm. people that are subscribing and paying for the data and the information are likely to be able to grasp that. The newsletter as a product is an interesting question. We're not a media platform where we kind of want to work on building out even Arabic content. And interestingly, even in Arabic, where we've experimented with our research reports, you'd be surprised that the uptake on the Arabic is not as high as we thought it would be. Now, if we were a news platform and churning out news on a regular basis, it may be different. But to answer your question, ultimately, for the subscription, the data and the research, side of the platform, language isn't as much of a barrier for scale. For the news and the content side, it's something to consider, but it hasn't been an inhibitor given that the venture capital and the higher end of data and data analytics tends to be people that are already well-versed in the English language. 
Hmm. I would imagine that if someone's running through a report, they're just kind of flipping through and looking at graphs and charts. Absolutely. Now, in combining the data the magnet has to create things like research reports, do you have a team of analysts or economists in-house who can add meaningful insights or do you rely on working with external parties to make that happen? No, absolutely. All data. So we've been building out the, during COVID, which was an interesting time because our focus moved away from kind of the, the media side towards the data. We built our data science team and our research team internally. All research that's published on Magnet is all internal, no external kind of influence to it. And the only way that we can do that is because we have the proprietary data. We have to internally brainstorm the logic of the research and to be able to do that at scale, we need to be able to dissect and cut that information by geography, by industry, by stage, by insight, by investor. All of that's been done internally. And our strong conviction is to further double down. In fact, one of the things that we've done is moved away from PowerPoint-esque type presentations towards integrated analytical dashboards using tools that means that we can pull them straight out of the database for insights versus having to create them all in terms of our research. So we're definitely doubling down both on the data analytics side of the platform, as well as the visualization of that. Very interesting. Philip, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of your data is uh, self-reported, correct? So you motivate an entity like a startup to be on your platform and have a profile that's consistently updated, which should include self-reporting things like funding numbers. First question, is that correct? Yes and no. I mean, there's three different kind of mechanisms by which we do it. Hopefully by becoming the reference for the, the space, I always liken it to a bit of a LinkedIn. There's people that with a vanity perspective update their profiles. They've changed jobs. They got promoted. They have a new title to, to what it is that they do. So they update that information. The second thing that people may or may not know is that Magnet has a application tools to investors. We have close to 100 of the leading VC angel groups and accelerator programs in the region that startups can apply to using their profile. Again, using the analogy of LinkedIn, you can apply for a job using your profile on LinkedIn. But of course, you update your profile before you apply. So from that perspective, we capture a lot of the information from the platform itself. The second is the data science team is always looking for trends, analysis, and alerts that come from the media. So we continue to kind of track information that come from third-party sources. So in fact, we don't compete in the media space. We leverage other media platforms to make sure we're as comprehensive as possible. And the third, by building the platform and the research, which is very reliant on building relationships with VCs and different entities, we reach out to now close to 600 institutions who've made investments in MENA, Pakistani and Turkish startups in the last five years on a quarterly basis, again, to update their profiles on Magnet, but we engage with them to make sure we have the most up-to-date and comprehensive uh, data on the platform. So yes, a large proportion comes from the platform, but the mechanisms by which we go about getting it are, are different. So what I would like to know, Philip, is once someone updates their profile and puts the information up on Magnet's database, what is the process of validating that information? Because you are as good as the data that you have, right? So if someone inputs in incorrect or false information, that could hinder the integrity of the output. So for all the funding rounds, so there's different elements to it. The information about the companies is almost self-reported. So we can't verify every single business and idea and et cetera. But also startup world is 
all about credibility. And if you have misinformation, you'll get caught out. So ultimately, we play to a certain extent on that nuance. But for every funding round, which I, again, I don't know that people realize this, every funding round that feeds into our magnet report has to either be verified by the investor or by a third party source. Now we can't verify every single third party source, Mm. but again, we play on that concept that if there's a third party source that states that a company has raised X amount, let's be clear, if they go and raise another round and they got caught out that they didn't raise that amount, it's only to the detriment of the startup. So there's a almost kind of public policing of the exercise, but for any funding round on Magnet, for it to be included in our research, it needs to be verified by the investor and or uh, a third party source for cross-referencing. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Here I was thinking people could, you know, upload whatever they wanted. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. I, and of course that's extremely important for us, right? Because if you can't verify the funding rounds on the platform, then literally it'll be garbage in, garbage out. But we go through that exercise literally daily, if not weekly, especially leading up to reports. And hence you begin to see differences in numbers based on different publications and and, uh, and reporting. I mean, I think one of the things that is very dear to us as we expand by geography is every region may have a magnet or a different type of platform, but we have a very clear methodology, benchmarking process, visibility. We always have everything reported on the platform. Every funding round that goes into our report can be visible on a profile of either an investor and a startup. Some entities will aggregate information, but it will be aggregated and not broken down because that's the mechanism by which they operate. Ours is full transparency and therefore everything is going to be reported on Magnet. Very interesting. All right. Well, I hope that, you know, other people are inspired to go consume Magnet. I mean, I definitely quote all MENA figures with whatever Magnet is reporting for that particular quarter or year. Awesome. Well, whatever ways that we can help you, hopefully as you expand by new geographies and audiences yourself, you'll have an audience from Africa and and Southeast Asia by, by next year. Inshallah. Let's see. Thank you very much for your time, Philip. Thank you very much for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshireen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshireen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.